Well, welcome to the Asking Why podcast. I'm your host, Clint Davis. We're not having a guest this week. It's about to be Christmas vacation and holiday season, and so I thought it might be a good idea to normally we do what's called a longest night service somewhere, and I've gotten to do those the last few years and really enjoyed it. So longest night service is essentially for those that are listening that are grieving and struggling through the Christmas holidays, through the Thanksgiving holidays. So many times during this season, you know, there's so much happiness going on that, you know, some of us don't feel that, or some people feel like disconnected from the the joy of the holidays. And so, you know, they do a service to kind of commemorate those that we've lost and those that are struggling. And, but since COVID's here this year, we can't really do those type of services and not a lot of anointing with oil going on. And so I figured that I would do uh, this podcast this way. So you're going to just listen to me for a few minutes. I don't know how long this will go. So hang in there. You know, one of the things that is hard about this season is that our culture does such an awful job with pain and suffering, you know, dealing with people's grief, dealing with people's loss. And the, the reality is, is that the holiday season, Christmas, is filled with both good and bad things. So this podcast is really for anyone grieving or processing loss during this time where most of us are, you know, seeing a lot of glee and happiness and, you know, the lights and the decorations and the songs and people smiling and being excited and so this is for you that if you're out there suffering or struggling or have done that in the past or in the future, that this is for you. So for those that don't know me, my name is Clint Davis, and I'm a counselor and a director of recovery for the Hub Urban Ministry, my own Clint Davis Counseling. It's a mental health practice here in Treeport, Louisiana. We have 15 to 17, I don't know at this point, therapists and counselors and social workers, some doctors and pediatricians and other people that are on our staff, and, and we work with mental health. And so... You know, personally and professionally, this topic is near and dear to my heart. Uh, grief, pain, and loss, you know, during the holidays is a difficult battle for, my, for myself and for my family, and especially those I work with, you know, we know it well. So everybody listening is here for different reasons. Maybe you're lonely, maybe you're struggling with new grief and it's fresh on your mind and heart. Maybe it's old grief that's crept back up and you came to listen to this for some comfort. Whatever the reason, we welcome you and we're thankful that you're here to listen and take a moment to just sit in your sorrow a little bit with us. Uh, we show up together in this place with you know zero judgment or expectations. If you are in your car or at the gym or on a walk, you know I just want you to take a moment, take some deep breaths, pause, center yourself, you know check in with your body, just be in this space with us and allow the love of God to surround you, to comfort you and. Just let my voice remind you that you're not alone, that you're not out there struggling through grief alone, that, that people know that pain and we know that heartache and that we we're here for you. I don't know how this is going to go. And honestly, you know, the only expectation I have is that King Jesus will meet us with his unending, undeserved peace and comfort, that he will show up with a love that changes everything. He will take us by the hand and he will dance with us on the shores of despair, watching the waves of grief come and go. The word grief originated in the 13th century. It means hardship and suffering, pain, body affliction. It comes from a Latin word, gravare, which means to make heaven heavy. And I'm sure that rings true um, tonight for most of us or today, wherever you're listening. There's a heaviness that comes with the season for many of us. It's a weight that most of us feel that we cannot bear. We're dragged down by the cheer and the merriment of the season. We continue to feel the cold bite of winter. And it brings depression like a cold, wet blanket that smothers our joy. Through my experience, both professionally, nothing compares for death, really, um, of a loved one or the death of a relationship. 
regardless if the death was caused by an accident or an illness or a relational crisis, it catches us off guard and leaves us wounded. It leaves us shocked and unsteady. Death and loss are so deeply personal and stunningly final. Nothing can prepare us for for arrival. Death and broken relationships are the anti-gospel, in my opinion. They were never supposed to happen, and they were never in God's plan for his creation and his children. In Genesis, it talks about how he made the world good. He speaks of eating from the ground and drinking the water that flows from the earth, and he gives us the animals to eat and the plants to eat because, you know, we weren't meant to kill each other. He says that he gave us water that formed the plants and seeds that formed the plants and water that came up from the ground and that we and the the animals were both to eat of that. And so many times, you know, I read that chapter and I forget that that means there wasn't any death, that we didn't have anything to be afraid of. And, you know, he alludes to that later when it says heaven is going to be where the lion lays with the lamb. And it reminds us again that in heaven and eternity, there will be no death. There will be no, you know, hunting and killing and And so, so many times I think we forget this and we feel that death is certain, you know, death and taxes. And since it's certain, we don't have any room to grieve. I think a lot of times as Christians, we kind of say, well, we know there's a heaven and we know there's an end. And so what's the point? You know, be happy that there, that life's going on. And, and so we, we leave ourselves with very little room to process. And and during the holidays, it can be the same way. You know, I have my own personal stories of grief. And long nights, my brother Dustin died of brain cancer almost eight years ago. You know, we knew that he was going to pass away from brain cancer. And so we loved him and we hugged him and we told him we loved him. We had time to say goodbye and, you know, it still wasn't enough. And I think what I've learned from that is no matter how much we put into life and no matter how much we put into our loved ones, it's not going to be enough because this isn't the end. And a lot of times we try to fit grief in a box and tell other people how to feel and that just doesn't work. I lost my grandparents, uh, Nelson and Bernice Mitchum. My grandmother died on Christmas morning, I think three or four years ago at this point now. Might have been four. You know, and that pain is powerful and raw. And so Christmas mornings, you know, I remember driving to the hospital and not being prepared for that and burying her. My birthday's in a couple of days. And so I buried her on my birthday. And so these times during this season can be really rough where, you know, you're thinking back on negative things, quote unquote negative or hard things. And so we, we'd so many times want to move past that and move into the fun of the season and the joy. And, and so we have to learn to leave into lean into both, you know, I have military friends who've committed suicide and that's left me kind of torn and fearful of something that I should have done or could have done. You know, it's grief whenever I see military friends deploying and I'm not going. So it brings on kind of the survivor's guilt. You know, in my life, my experience of parenting and marriage have brought their own unique grief, grief of what I thought it was going to be like, of what I thought it should be like. And then this last year, since October, we've had three miscarriages. And so sometimes the grief of those babies that were not with us can, you know, swallow us up. Besides my personal stories and experience with grief, you know, I have tons of clients and their stories and, you know, they leave me feeling helpless at times so I can you know, really struggle through this season of knowing what to do and what to say. And then we have 2020, which has brought all of us the gift of COVID. And that has us all grieving uniquely, you know, together in this kind of communal worldly grief where we're, we're missing connection and group meetings and church and community. We've lost so many Americans and so many people in the world, to this pandemic. So I know grief is, you know, almost palpable in most of our lives when it comes to grieving, not only life, but grieving what we knew. 
so maybe tonight or today you're grieving, you know, not a physical death, but a relational one or one that's coming. Living with a living death is, is difficult because there's not yet any closure. You know, it's coming and you can see it, but you don't have the ability to process or reconcile how you're supposed to keep going. We have the Christmas parties and lights and gifts can all be joyful to those around us and yet very triggering for us who are struggling to find peace and joy in the season of perpetual peace and joy. Regardless of this type of grief, it will not come in a linear way. Just when you feel like the waves are done crashing and taking your breath for the last time, another one hits and we relive all the painful memories again. Sometimes we avoid and try to run from the thoughts and memories We don't fill up to the demand grief places on us. We long to avoid the fierce but holy pilgrimage. Sometimes we feel guilty for avoiding pain. Remember that this is a human experience. Even Christ himself avoided the cross for a moment. He prayed for there to be another way. Avoidance is not sinful, but it's also not the way to peace. Because Jesus gave us that model by saying, Not my will, but yours, Father. And he trusted the Father, and he leaned into the suffering, and we have to do the same. I can always tend to struggle you know, against these currents of pain that are trying to pull me under into despair and the depths of darkness. Sometimes I'm a little scared to be overwhelmed and overcome by this. Our culture doesn't make this easier either. They tell us to move on and move past it. We get no time off from work or off from parenting or off from our marriage. Move on, they say, get over it. They list the amount of time it's been like there's a certain number of days, months, or years that should allow us to move forward. An acceptable amount of time before our grief should be over and stop interrupting their life. If I know one thing as a counselor, it's that pain makes people uncomfortable. Our friends and our families kind of want to flee from it. Sometimes they're too busy trying to enjoy their own holiday to sit in our mess with us. When they do sit with us in the pain, sometimes they don't know what to say. But usually they say the wrong thing with good intentions. They try to take away our pain. They try to say something that will allow us to move forward so they will feel better. What we, what we really need is for them to just sit and maybe cry with us. This hurts even worse because our pain has a purpose. Our loved ones that we love and that we've lost matter. Their place among us is now filled with us with a void. Grief is a painful season but it can also be very sanctifying. It is so necessary for us to complete this journey of healing. To run from grief is to run from the very thing that can quench the thirst that your soul longs for. English poet William Culper describes grief like a medicine. He says, Grief cleanses anguish from our souls and sets us back up on the path of life so we can dance. Grieving is the process God uses to bring us to a place of wholeness. Grieving is his great gift to us. I think this gift is difficult to receive or enjoy. We go back and forth between despair and hope. Right now, we sit in a place, a space I call the not yet. Revelations 21.4 says, He will wipe away every tear from our eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order has passed away. And yet, even as I say this today, and I feel that hope swell, my flesh thinks, but not yet. Currently, death is winning, and pain and suffering rule the world, and death and dying are still a thing. So as we live in this not yet, in order to feel and to find the peace, we must look to Jesus. So John 11 tells us a wonderful story 
of grief observed. So we pick up in John 11, the death of Lazarus. And so we know that Lazarus was a friend of Jesus and Martha and Mary came to him and, and they tell him that, you know, Lazarus is sick and they say, Lord, the one you love is sick. And Jesus says, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is God's glory for God's glory so that the God's son may be glorified through it. But he ranks, you know, kind of waits around for two more days and he says, let's go back to Judea. He eventually says, you know, are there not 12 hours in daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to there to wake him. He says, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe me, but let us go to him. And so if you read through this chapter in chapter 11, you see Jesus does these things that are kind of contradictory to what the what Mary and Martha and the people think that he should be doing. On his arrival, Jesus found Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. You know, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. Who never lives, believes in me, will never die. Do you believe this? So he asks these questions. So then he kind of goes to the grave and he stands before it and it, he says, take away the stone and they tell him it's been, you know, there's a bad odor. And he said, did I not tell you that if you believe you would see the glory of God? And then he prays to God and he says, Lazarus, come out. And so we know what happens. And so as a, as you read that passage in John 11, you know, there's so many things that, that we could talk about with this, with this passage of Jesus going, we could speak of, you know, the importance of friendship and the closeness that Mary and Martha had and Lazarus had with Jesus. We know that. We could talk about how they didn't even ask Jesus to do anything because they were so sure he would heal Lazarus. They just said, the one that you love is sick. right? They didn't attribute all the works that Lazarus did to being the reason that Jesus would come. They attributed the love that Jesus had for Lazarus. We could talk about how Jesus goes to these dangerous places for us without worry or hesitation for himself. We could talk about Jesus being the resurrection and the life. I mean, all these things you know, we could go into. One of my favorite parts is how Jesus wept for Lazarus. Even though he knew he was going to resurrect him, even though he knew what he was going to have to do, Jesus teaches us that it's okay to cry and to gnash our teeth at a world that's broken and heavy. Um, right now I want to focus in on where I know each one of us is right now that's listening is. It's at verse 40 where he says, Didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believed? So what you think for a moment, right? If you can close your eyes, if you're driving, obviously, please don't do that. But if you if you can close your eyes, you know, think of the buildup, the hope, then death, then hope again. Maybe you're listening and you've been there and you've been through a roller coaster of ups and downs. And you're saying, but Clint, you don't know my struggle. You don't understand this year. You don't know, understand all the, the things that have gone on. And I think that's the beauty of scripture is that it allows, it tells these very intimate stories but sometimes we can hear them so many times we, we forget about the realness of the people and their experience. So take a moment and imagine with me. It, it's not hard to imagine being the disciples and Martha and Mary gathered outside the tomb of Lazarus. Jesus is standing before the tomb surrounded by these broken, doubtful, helpless friends that are shattered with grief and failure. I want you to imagine Jesus standing with outstretched hands and shouting, Lazarus, come out. Inside the tomb, at the sound of Jesus' voice, Lazarus would have awoken. Can you imagine? What was he thinking or feeling? Dark and disoriented, he's probably scared and a little astonished. 
Slowly he would have gotten to his knees, stiff from being in the tomb for days, dirty and disheveled. Pins and needles coursing through his legs and arms as he stood to his feet and walked towards the voice of his best friend and king. This is so similar to our moments of salvation when everything is magical and glorious. Hope and joy fill us with astonishment. Our dead bodies come to life with the spirit of the one true God. His resurrection power is now in us. When I thought about this, it hit me that this is what so many of us are experiencing on our long nights of despair. It's, it's the waiting that's so hard. So let's think about that. Let's parallel what it must have been like for the crowd. In those exact moments, Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And while he's stirring and about to rise, the experience of the crowd was so different. Much like us, they're waiting. Jesus shouts, come out. And there's silence for the people gathered around. Silence other than the occasional sniff or cough. And they waited. They waited unaware of what was happening in the tomb, of the miracle and the joy they would feel, of the hope yet unseen. The silence would have been deafening. Maybe they shuffled their feet and murmured. Maybe they wondered if Jesus had taken on more than he could do. Doubt crept in, and still they waited. Martha and Mary might have looked to Jesus and wondered, why have you allowed us to be in such pain? You could have healed him, why didn't you do it? And then more waiting. The silence grew louder and louder. And then Lazarus comes out, and everything changes at once. In one moment, all the pain and worry and fear melted away, replaced by cheers and tears of joy. Can you imagine the hugs and the kisses that rained down on Lazarus and on Jesus? When I always thought about this scene taking place, it was quick. Jesus calls out to Lazarus, and boom, there he is. No awkward silence, no waiting, no doubt, no long-suffering. This might have been five minutes for them, but I'm sure it felt like a lifetime. Well, right now, we, in this season of grief, are waiting on Jesus, much like the people in the story. Waiting for our loved ones to meet loved ones in eternity, or wondering if they will be there when we arrive. We all wait for different things, but while we wait, I want to remind you that Jesus is going before you and sits with you while you suffer. He holds you while you grieve, and although you might not feel it through the pain, lean into the knowledge that he is there, and he has already overcome death and grief and loss. If you feel alone in your suffering, reach out to someone in your area and ask for help. I know that it's scary to be vulnerable and that people are hard, but people are what God has given us to survive the painful grief that life brings. We're not made to do this alone and suffer in silence. God is making things new, and one day there will be no more pain or tears or loss. The kingdom is here, but we have not experienced it fully. Not yet. I hope that this podcast gives you an encouragement and support as you go through the holidays. If you're listening to this and it's not Christmas season, if you're listening to it later, I believe that it's still true and can carry us through whatever season we may be in. I hope everyone out there has a great day and can feel the love that is out here in the world from God's people and the King of the universe, Jesus Christ. If you're interested in a counselor, please visit us at clintdaviscounseling.com or visit our Facebook page or Instagrams. You can subscribe to this podcast at Asking Why with Clint Davis on YouTube or any other places you listen to them. You know, the goal is for you guys to just feel supported. The season is long, and for most of us, it can feel very lonely. So I just wanted to give a little a little talk about how good God is and, 
and how good his love is for you and that you're not alone and that you don't have to suffer by yourself, that we're, we're all in this together. And that although we look at people and we think, Oh, they got it together and they're celebrating and everything's good. You never know what somebody else is going through. And so if you can find it in your heart this season, just to find joy, that doesn't mean be happy. That doesn't mean that you have to be completely content and, you know, happy and that, you know, you're cheering and singing and doing carols, but try to also remember that two truths can happen at the same time, that, that people that are grieving can grieve while you have joy and you can have joy while people grieve. And that if we do that together, that both of those truths can get us all as a community through, through life, whether that this season or another. So we love you guys. Thank you for listening and God bless you. Merry Christmas.